0: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Joined, of course, because you are listening to this on a Monday, so you know I'm not by myself. I am with the best co-hosts in the history of co-hosts, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir.
1: Wow, that's high praise, John. Thank you. Well... I appreciate that. You know, true it is, but...
0: You deal with my bullshit every week. Um, So that elevates you to a certain to a certain place um but i'll ask you as i always do how how are you doing
1: i'm good you know uh it's been some crazy weather up where i am we got a lot of snow and it's been a ton of rain so just kind of been sequestered inside um so i'm looking forward to nice weather next week i hear that's what's on the horizon i don't know if uh you know if like that's the nicest part of the week we'll see so it's, it's a bit of a crazy week next week um I imagine uh of course yeah. the biggest reason being that the uh, labor dispute has been pushed to November sixth deadline instead uh no other reason for next week to be stressful in the slightest so oh goodness i um yeah
0: I was wondering if, if, I'm sure I knew we were gonna touch on this but uh let's just let's just say everybody out there if you haven't already sent in your ballot by mail if you haven't Voted early, wherever you are, whatever your personal um, political belief. Mr. Mister Cohen and I encourage you to go vote.
1: For reference, my grandfather, uh, he and I have, let's just call it uh, different views. You can just leave it at that. <laughs> on uh, political matters and other matters too, but uh, specifically political matters. And uh, this is a man who had not voted since, God, I want to say maybe the Eisenhower era. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, like my, mom was saying that she can't remember her, her dad voting. And at, I think he's, he's turning 93 in January, he voted. So, you know, I'm not saying there's no excuse because again, everyone has the right to vote or to not vote, but, um, it was, it just made me proud of people who maybe normally wouldn't vote turning out in, in an important election. So, um, I encourage, as John said, we encourage you all to exercise that right should you choose it. And, um, you know, let's just uh, let's let's just try to take care of ourselves this week because it's going to be a lot.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, so one, one thing, again, before we get into the, the NBA labor stuff and a uh, robust discussion, which myself and Jeremy may, may find ourselves on different sides of things, although I actually don't know if that's going to be the case. We'll, we'll see. Um, a, a quick announcement. Um, Speaking of, um, uh, let's see, making your, making your voice heard. So, uh, in addition to this pod, as many of you know, I also write a daily, uh, newsletter that comes to inboxes, um, every, every weekday, um, that, uh, JB started way back when. And, uh, I have, uh, I took over about a year ago and it has become, um, I guess you could say, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. I I love this podcast. This podcast is great, but I don't, um, I've never, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like this is difficult work, Jeremy? (laughs) Like, I don't feel like uh, this is ever hard for me,
1: right? No, I wouldn't say it's difficult, but I would say that I probably spend more hours thinking about various scenarios and doing the homework than I care to admit online or on the pod. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm the same except my it's I
0: spend that time thinking about stuff for the newsletter and then basically the overflow is what comes out on here on Sundays. <laughs> um anyway, so here, here's the point. I'll get, I'll get to it. Um I uh I write the the newsletter and it is a passion of mine. I spend a lot of time on it and um you know, I, I will be honest, I, I spend more time on that thing than I I do with my job that uh, my actual job that sends me paychecks every week. And I'm sure some folks at the Department of Education probably would frown upon uh, that uh, choice of expenditure of time. But it is what it is. And, uh, you know, and that's that would never change because it's it's my passion. It's what I love to do. It's my outlet. It's, it's I have no hobbies. It's the only thing I I'm interested in. And um. In other news, as I announced on here several months ago, you know, my wife is pregnant. We're going to have our second child. Um, and I want to continue to be able to do that newsletter and be able to look uh, my wife in the face and, you know, my soon to be two children and be like, yeah, you know what? Your dad is spending a whole lot of time on this, but it's worth it. So um, starting tomorrow uh, or today, I guess, when you're listening to this Monday, um, I am making the newsletter partially paid subscription based. So what that means is. Um, it's going to be a monthly fee or an annual fee if you want to sign up for the year Um, that if you sign up this week, this week only, I promise you, I will never offer this again. Um, You can get it for $3 a month and, um, $30 for the year. I think the normal price is going to be five and 50, but you know, there've been some people that have been with me for a long time with this newsletter and on Twitter and the pod and the whole thing. And, uh, I am, I am, I'm, I'm like James Dolan in this way. I am a sucker for loyalty. So, um, if you get in this week, uh, it'll be $3 a month for you forever for as long as you, for as long as you continue to subscribe. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, kind of something I need to do. And there's, there's some more reasoning to it that I won't share on here. And if you're, if you're, if you're interested, which hopefully you are um, check out the newsletter and I kind of explain it a little bit more, um, you know, but this is everybody, everybody hopefully finds their calling at some point in life. And I think this is mine. And I, um, I guess I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? I need to feel like this is actually really worth something to people. Um, Does that make sense, Jeremy? Did I make any sense in any of what I just said?
1: Of course. I mean, listen, you have a family, as you were saying, you provide great content almost every single day. Um, I'm certainly going to be taking advantage of that early bird discount. And I recommend that other people do. But, you know, at at a certain point, you have to um, put yourself out there and you're only asking people to give a small amount. And, you know, We've had conversations similarly, um both you and i and at the Strickland, just about how do you how do you handle this type of situation where you you don't want to be restrictive, but you you also have to look out for yourself in some capacity. And I think what you're talking about is a really great compromise for people. and it's to the point where, you know, i mean it, it's everyone's finances are obviously quite different. But if you look at it, you're saying thirty dollars over, 12 months. That's really less than $3 a month. Um, I, I personally really enjoy reading the work that you do, so I'm certainly happy to pay for it. Well, thank you. And I hope that everyone else out there feels the same way.
0: And if you want to yell at me and, uh, or, or curse at me or anything else, um, you know where to find me. I'm on Twitter. I, I promise I will hear you out and I will not be insulted. Um, so yeah, but all right, that's enough of that. We've been, we've been talking about this for, for too long. Um, there is basketball news, uh, quite large basketball news, actually. Um, the, so let me see if I can wrap this or, or quickly, um, summarize this. Um, the players and the, and the owners, I guess, or the league, whatever you want to say, um, push back the deadline by which they could opt out of the, C, the this CBA until Friday. And, uh, over the next five days, um, they will attempt to work out, um, an agreement on when next season is going to be started and, uh, also, uh, the revenue sharing for just this season is that, I don't think I've read that anywhere is I'm assuming it's just for
1: this season, right? Well, I would imagine that they also have to plan out the following year just so teams have some sort of jumping off point, but that's the salary but, cap, right, which is the, yes. separate
0: from the revenue sharing, correct?
1: Yeah, the revenue sharing would just be for this year. Okay. Well, listen,
0: to my knowledge. Yeah, they they have to they have to decide on some stuff. And I think, you know, I don't know if I ever really felt that there was a moment where the bubble wasn't going to happen. Maybe there was some touchy stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if in the week week ahead we got some, you know, um, media negotiations, shall we say,
1: uh, through. We already have. We kind of already have. Yeah. I mean, we we just heard about how Chris Haynes heard, uh, saying there was a large faction or a faction of players that doesn't want to start december 22nd and listen we know who the person sourcing him on that is it's lebron james and to me it's quite shocking because look i understand that he's the face of the league the nba player associate the nbpa is going to want to cater to what he wants but if the biggest concern is rest i mean Given the hiatus that they already had and then the subsequent offseason, even if they started playing in December, late December, LeBron James would have more rest in the year 2020 than he would have since his career started with the exception of 2019, which is when he basically stopped playing and the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. So if if you want to talk about someone who is actually much more rested than he normally would be. And the fact that, you know, if he takes – if there's an issue with salary and escrow and and how the salary cap works with the financial situation, because it sucks for the players, let's face it. It's a lose-lose situation. Either you lose money because there are no fans in the stands or you lose more money because you're playing at a later date and there are no fans in the stands. Yeah. You have to kind of cut your losses. So it's it's an uncomfortable position for them to be in, absolutely. But if a player who doesn't make much money – like let's say Christian Wood. This – is an opportunity for him to cash in on his first real NBA paycheck, and he has been re- bounced around the league for a while. He's 25 years old. If he signs a contract that's say like a one year deal, because that's what teams might be willing to give him, and he's looking at the uh, you know the NBA holding onto his salary because of how escrow would work, then he's going to be out a lot of money. Whereas if you're LeBron, you've already made your nest egg. You've ar- you're settled for life for four lifetimes, maybe even more. So it's frustrating to me because of how many players have not played since March and how few have played since August. And now you're looking at a situation where everything could be gummed up because really one or two influential players just have no interest in starting in December. I
0: mean, you know, it's tricky and I'm going to, I'm going to write on this or I did write on it a little bit in today's newsletter. Um, I think from the player's perspective, it's OK. Yes, everybody benefits by an earlier start financially. I don't think the players are going to dispute that. But the, the players, are the only ones who are making the sacrifice by the earlier start. And my guess is that would be. That's going to be their party line. And yes, is it more of a party line that actually is legitimate for LeBron than anybody else? Of course it is. But, um, I think that's the party line. I think they will use it as a negotiating tool. Do I think that they will let it get to the point where the owners say, you know what? Uh, you want to wait here? Wait as long as you want and tear up the CBA, which the owners have the right to do, um, until, you know, Friday. That's the deadline they push back. So, um, the long and the short of this for the, how it influences the Knicks, other than when the Knicks will play basketball again, is um if you've ever listened to the show before, you have probably heard us talk about the salary cap, um, specifically in the context of this offseason and what Leon Rose is going to do with it and what he won't do with it um, and what he's going to be able to do with it. Um and it it is fair to say at this point, whether they get started on December 22nd, where they started on January 18th or anywhere in between, um, the league is going to lose a lot of money next year because this, th- what, what them starting so early is essentially, and Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, this is essentially raising the white flag on any semblance of a normal season revenue wise next year. It is saying we're going to cut our losses. We're going to make sure we get our TV ratings where we can get them, not up against the Olympics, not up against the um, summer, certainly not up against football. Um, And the fact that the owners pitched a 50 game season as opposed to, you know what? Sure, we'll take a break during the Olympics and then come back and we'll finish it up in October like this year. Like that speaks to how how much A, the owners want to cater to the TV stations for the, for, um, which is their main partner, obviously, in all this, this whole gambit. And they know they need that, that TV contract on the line again. Um, but just like how they, they want next season to be normal. So like this season's going to be, this season is not going to make a lot of money. Um, and, and teams are not going to make a lot of money. And it's like, we still don't know how much that's going to affect owners um, unless you've seen any reporting that I haven't, uh,
1: but it just, it's, it's, it's all assumption right now. Right? Yeah, it is. And as you said, it's the effort to get, not this upcoming season, but the season after it's all in about line. That. Yeah. Right. Cause at this point it's, we're cutting our losses, but let's try to not lose as much as we can. And you know, if you're the NBA, if you're an NBA owner, you probably hate the idea of the Olympics because you're lending out your players to go to a bigger stage with the risk of injury. You're not making any money from it. Exactly. That too. And I
0: mean, you're you're growing theoretically,
1: you're growing the sport globally, but like yes. But here's the thing. If you're the NBA, you already can grow the brands of a lot of your players. Like, yes, it elevates it to a new level because it's on more of an international stage than before. But the simple fact is, you know, I was talking about this with some of the guys in the Strickland uh, where we were saying how the marketing of various sports is fascinating. Where, like, you could see in basketball how these players get marketed, and you could see in football, you know, all these huge stars. And then if you don't even follow baseball, You might have no clue who some of the biggest young stars in the game are like the way that we think about Luka Doncic in a lot of way is how maybe a player on the Nationals like Juan Soto would be. And again, there are going to be listeners who have no idea who Juan Soto is. I don't know who Juan Soto is. It was me raising my hand. Right. And yet you're going to see someone like Patrick Mahomes and Soto's not the quite the equivalent of Mahomes, but. They both won a title before the age of like, what, 23, 24. They're at the top of their games. Juan Soto probably could have won the NL MVP award this past season if he uh, weren't screwed over by what I believe was a false positive uh, coronavirus test. So again, it's just, it's this inability to brand or, or market if you're the, if you're major league baseball, but for basketball, the NBA has done a phenomenal job of that. So, you know, it's just this idea of they're probably saying, well, we don't really want our players to play. But if that's a sacrifice we have to make where we get on a regular schedule for 2021-22, then let's do it because we know we're going to make our money back then.
0: They, but that's the, the interesting part of it, in, is, and I realized this as I was writing today's newsletter – there's two separate things here. One is the fact that there's players that are going to want to – like, you know, you're not going to tell Nikola Jokic that he can't go play for, for Serbia. Like, that's not – that's a non-starter, and I'm sure there are some other – um I'm sure all the French guys are in the same boat and I'm sure there'll be some other, uh, you know, I would imagine Team Canada will actually sport a real team this year. And, you know, there'll be other guys. But the other issue is that they are not going head to head against the Olympics on T. like the the NBA is not going to play during those two weeks like that. that, that, That's that's just. They're not
1: like, you know, hockey would take breaks for the winter Olympics. Yeah. And that makes sense because you can just resume back to a normal schedule and you can figure it out accordingly. But I don't think that fans are necessarily going to want to see a continuation of the NBA season after we had the Olympics. That's their, yeah, absolutely.
0: There, 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 there is no, there is no scenario by which that happens. So this season, for all the reasons we just talked about is ending before the Olympics, how much before the Olympics, I guess that depends on, How much is it still pop that's in charge? Pop feels like he needs a training camp, which I like how that's that to me. That's an interesting subplot of like, do do they start the training camp like during the finals? Like, does that mean that finals players are ineligible? Like I whatever.
1: I think they pushed back the latest IOC deadline. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So now it's going to be more like if you make it to the Super Bowl, you can't be in the Pro Bowl. (laughs) that's great so you know, yeah no that's gonna that's gonna be interesting if that's where you want to be if the championships your ultimate goal then obviously that's taking precedence over uh over an olympic god wouldn't it be fascinating if it was
0: like milwaukee denver because like you got to think i mean but that's again that's presuming greece even even makes anyway we're getting off track um point is uh not not a lot of money um out there this year jeremy let's pause for one moment um, we, we haven't talked about your. Have you placed any wagers today?
1: You know, John, I actually took this week off and it felt great. And I might take more time off because uh, losing is losing not sucks. fun. Contrary no. to popular belief. Um, but, you know, not everyone loses like me. Most people
0: actually I, I've heard most people actually win. That's what I've heard. And and because, you know, clearly that that rumor is true, um, what you're going to want to do if you are interested in upping your Sunday experience with the NFL, Saturday experience with college ball, um, you know, goodness knows the NBA is going to be here before we know it. Um, my bookie is the place to do it. They have literally thousands of lines available on all of your favorite sports and events. Um, you could turn your game day into a payday with my bookie. I went through the. Um, odds to be the, the first pick in the NBA draft that my bookie had. Um, do you know they have James Wiseman at plus 450? Wow. Yeah. You could make, for, uh, that's if. Yeah, it's plus 450. That means if you bet a hundred, you could win $450, right? That I got that right. Or is that minus you 450?
1: Did. No, no. Uh, okay. That would be,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would, I'm, I would run, uh, not walk to, uh, to place that wager if I was, if I was a betting man. Um, which if you are a betting man, again, my book is the place for you. They've game spreads, championship futures, pre- player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash for your wallet. And of course, if you're going to do that, you got to use the promo code overtime. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. So that means whatever you deposit up to a thousand dollars, as long as you use that promo code overtime, uh, my bookie will double it. Stack UFC cards, presidential prop bets. Don't, you know, still time to do that. All the major sports and more sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my Bookie. let's actually go through the, the mechanics of this because i think this is important to the discussion because you wrote a great article this week which i actually didn't disagree dis- i don't disagree with a word that you wrote with the exception of one line which i think you downplayed which is like the effect that all this is gonna have on this and you wrote that because you and you, you are wrong you said we don't know those were your words right you were just like we're, we're not sure and i wrote something on friday where i was like well If this does rear its ugly head in a way that is significant, we, it's, it's, here are some of the ramifications that could happen. So maybe we're not actually in disagreement, but let's just talk about for a second. Okay. The cap is going to be at 109 million. Whereabouts this upcoming season? That is based not on the actual finances. That is based on an arbitrary number that they've set so that players don't like, it's basically the, the cap doesn't go into bedlam. There is actually a pie of like $90 million per team to divvy up this year, which means if correct me if I'm wrong, owners are going to have to play pay players money that is not there. Is that the simplest way of putting it or did I oversimplify it?
1: No, I guess it's a way of, yeah, that, that makes sense. The bottom line being that the way that they currently would calculate the salary cap it crashed, and the mechanisms involved never considered the idea of a pandemic. Think of it as a everything. bailout. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, it's
1: a government bailout. exactly. Um,
0: so, I my thinking is this: there may be some teams that are like, you know, what? Um, maybe it's not worth it to me to play to pay player X, whatever. Um, when I could get, you know, someone who's maybe 85 or 90% as good for much cheaper. And I don't think that there's going to be like a ton of salary dumps, which is the point of your article. And I agree with it. I don't think that there's going to be this magical market for salary dumps where people are like trading first round picks left and right to get off of money. Um, but I do think that there will be some opportunities to be had that, that was my main, main point, which I was, I'm curious to hear what you think of.
1: Yeah, no, I guess you could technically call it a rebuttal. Um, I thought it was a very very good rebuttal. Um, So I wanted to really be careful in terms of what I was saying with my article because I, again, like the reality is it just takes one team to say we have too much salary and another team that has cap space to say, well, for the right price, we'll take that on for my argument to kind of feel like it's disintegrating. Um, So the first big thing is I wanted to make sure it was a $10 million salary or above because I do think that there will be opportunities for some teams to kind of dump off smaller salaries, right? Like, and you brought it up even in your article where if you had Jabari Parker, for example, has a $6.5 million player option. It makes sense that he would want to take that option. Um, If the Kings want to dump salary, they're – they're in pretty good standing but if they wanted to say you know dump his salary they could maybe attach a second round pick they've got two 2021 second round picks one that's their own one that's memphis's i'm sure for a lot of knicks fans uh, you're probably drooling at that prospect because then that would mean that you have a third top 10 of the second round you know so 31 to 40 probably um second round pick uh, in 2021 that would be fantastic but that also doesn't mean that they're not willing to take some sort of salary back. Um, and so that's more of the second um, area, which was salary cutting versus salary dumping. So
0: what is your, I want to hear your, your definition of salary cutting, because I think it's the same as mine, but just so folks at home. So, so salary, salary dumping. is like, we have this money. We don't want it. We will give you a pick to take it off our hands. And that's it. That's the transaction. That's a salary dump. Salary exactly. cutting the-
1: is different. Right. So the Andre Godala trade by the warriors when they attached a first round pick and took back a two-way contract is the perfect example of salary dumping they were deep into the tax they wanted to get out um you know obviously they knew that they were going to be without clay thompson for the entire year they thought they would take a step back so they wanted to save money but more importantly they also wanted to avoid the dreaded repeater tax which is um so basically uh, it's like for every it's incremental but if you were to have uh, if you were to be zero to say like four point nine 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 whatever million dollars over the luxury tax, then for every dollar you spend you're um, you have to owe a dollar fifty in luxury taxes. and, and then and it increases after, the
0: more seasons in a row you're in this thing.
1: right, exactly. You don't want to have it um, in consecutive years, but you can also get hit for three years out of four.
0: So if you if anybody here listened to the pod that we did with uh, Jeremy and JB, it's why Joe Harris could cost um, the Nets like, what is it, like $60 million next season? Yeah, it's a staggering
1: amount. So but for some teams, they're comfortable paying it. And for others, they might look to offload other salary so that that way they can afford to pay their guy, but then pay less at the end of the day.
0: By the way, the tax line is one of the things that is. Um, at issue over the course of the next yes. week, although it is wasn't it being because it was 132 this season. Mm-hmm. And I think many most parties involved wanted it to go up to even with a even with a flat cap. I think most parties involved wanted it to go up to one thirty. Nine. Nine, and but that's
1: probably not going to happen. Right. And it shouldn't, in my opinion, because if you're freezing everything else, you're basically giving a bailout to the, the richest teams, the teams that are most willing to spend. And True. if you, you know, if everything else is staying the same, then in my opinion, you should probably freeze that upper amount. Well, it's good but for then, the Knicks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 You want a lower tax level, luxury tax level. If you are a fan of a team that has cap space, let's put it that way. Um, the luxury or I guess salary cutting differs for me and it sounds like it's semantics, but there really is a clear difference is that. So we know the Warriors dumped Iguodala in a first round pick, but what they also did was when they made the D'Angelo Russell trade involving Andrew Wiggins, they attached Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman to that deal, which meant that they were sending more salary out than they were getting back. And then they went below that tax level. So they didn't have to face the repeater tax. So yes, was getting a good asset for D'Angelo Russell important to them? Sure. But let's face it, they took on Andrew Wiggins, which is not a great contract at all, in order for them to, for ownership to avoid paying more. And this was before they knew about the pandemic. So that to me is salary cutting, where a team that's (sighs) sending out a salary, they're doing it so that their payroll uh, gets cut a little bit more. And I think that the salary cutting market makes a lot more sense for the Knicks if they're you know instead of like uh um, dumping a bad player onto them, they maybe guarantee the contract of, I don't know like Reggie Bullock or Wayne Ellington and then trade one of those players out for another player that's coming in
0: and that's so you just touched on a couple things. Um, let me handle the first one to me, my definition is much more general, which is like salary cutting. Is when I'm like, okay, let's go back to the let's go back to the Jabari example. Um, like, well, actually, no, that's probably not the best. Okay, no, fine. Let's go to that example. Um, they have Corey Joseph on their books next season for for twelve million, and then he's two point five guaranteed the following year, I think. Um, if they sent us Corey Joseph and we sent them Reggie Bullock. And they they sent us a pick for that trouble. To me, that's not a straight salary dump because they're getting something back Correct. or you know, replace Reggie Bullock with you know Dennis Smith Jr or something. It's like it's a trade where the team that's offloading the salary is getting a good thing, but they're giving up something they're giving up something more than they otherwise would for the, for the good thing. And the reason they're giving up something more than they otherwise would is because the team that's giving up the good thing is taking on this crappy salary. That's like my general outline of like this other type of salary, whatever you want to call it, salary cutting that teams do. Is that. Am, that's the way I view it. Okay. The, I forget that what the hell my second point was now, this stuff is like really in the you can talk about getting in the weeds. Um, so, well, let's just stick with that for a second. Oh, yeah, that's what was my other point. Here's the issue that I think the Knicks are going to face and why I think it's going to be tough to make a lot of these deals. Why do we always talk about Reggie Bullock? Because he's the only cheap player the Knicks have who you could credibly talk yourself into, like, some team that wants to win next season wanting at his salary, right? That, that the Knicks would be more than comfortable giving up. And it's like, it's funny to me that you mentioned Wayne Ellington because Wayne Ellington is going to make, he's on the books for $8 million next season. Wayne Ellington isn't worth $8 million. Like even if he gets his shot back, he's not worth $8 million. He's worth, I don't know, or $4 million, 3, $4, $4, $3 $4, 4 5 something like that. So, And you could say that about any player on the Knicks that they actually really want to give up. You know, and maybe even about players that they don't really want to give up. Like who's who's dying to get like if I I don't view the Knicks as in a place where they're like you where they would use Kevin Knox or Franklin or and maybe even Dennis B. Jr. in this type of a trade where it's like we're giving you this thing, which is vaguely interesting and we're going to take back crap and the and you're going to send us a pick, but the pick's probably not that great. Right. Because if the pick was great, the team getting the player would want a better player. And if the pick, you know what I'm saying? This is the this is the issue I keep running into.
1: Yeah. And that's why, you know, the reason why the better, the, the more expensive the contract would be, the better the pick would be. And the more years that are there, the higher the pick would be there, um, which is like, for example, you had talked about the idea with the Kings where they, you know, if there was something that had to deal with the Dallas pick and the Kings pick in 2021, and, like, to me, I if I'm the Kings, I don't make that trade, period. Like, there's no reason why. It's, like, almost as if the Knicks were to, like, if you were to say to someone, hey, instead of the Knicks pick next year, you could have the Mavericks pick. And if you feel that the Mavericks pick is going to be, like, in the early twenties. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I,
0: I think I pegged it as like 21, 22, 23.
1: So if you're the Knicks and you're playing in a ridiculous division, and if you're seeing a lot of division games, then the idea of, you know, moving up in this year's draft and losing what could be a top five finish in the tanking standings next year. I mean, and in, in return, you get to like the 20th, 21st pick to me, that's a no, a no go. If I'm, the team giving up the better pick. The
0: um the trade, by the way, this is. Uh, I, I, someone responded to this on Twitter. It's like this is fucking crazy. Nobody's ever going to do this. And I looked at him like, you know what? You're right. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Knicks trade 8-27 and next year's Dallas pick for twelve. 12- 35 and next year's Kings pick. And then they all, <laughs> that's not all. Wait, folks. And then they swap, uh, Julius Randle for Corey Joseph and, and Jabari Parker. Um, which again, that's, that's a lot of moving parts and these trades don't really happen in the NBA. But again, the gist is that the main thing that the Knicks are getting is like the ability to upgrade from the Dallas pick to the Kings pick, which you're right. The Kings would, would be, well, unless it was protected. Yeah. But I mean, isn't. we've Again, listen, seen teams kick the, the can teams. down the road before. Right. And when the Kings are one of those teams that have done it, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Um, so I guess maybe this would be a, a good segue into talking about the teams that are in direct competition with the Knicks that have uh, spending money because there really aren't that many. Yeah, It's a very small list. So uh, for those of you who may not know, if the salary cap is going to be 109 million, There are six teams, just six, that have cap space. Um, It's the Hawks, the Knicks, the Pistons, the Heat, the Hornets, and the Suns in uh, descending order. Um, But let's talk about them, right? So the first team is the Suns. They would have about $19 million to spend. The Suns are not going to be looking at... Bad contracts. They want well, to win. Bad, uh, two. Well, yeah, I get No, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. If you're the Suns, you want an upgrade at the one and you want a really good power forward. And you can address one of those with the 10th pick in the draft. And you can address the other with the money that you have. And if you absolutely need to spend, you know, more money, you could dump Kelly Oubre. There's no reason to dump Kelly Oubre before then. So you're still in a good standing with what you have.
0: I think they're going to move Ubre, by the way. It's just a gut feeling. I haven't heard anything, but I just – It could be, but again, I
1: think the only reason you move him if you are the Suns is because you have already agreed with a free agent and you want to sign them to that money. It's Or, not you, like, oh, or you've agreed him. to a trade that you need to – you need to open up caps. That's see, that's the other part of this, but and it has, but I'm saying if, from the Suns' perspective, you have to have that free agent commitment.
0: No, I'm saying, but that's my, my point is that it doesn't just have to be a free agent. And yes, I'm going to say it. if Chris Paul is open to the idea of going to Phoenix and Phoenix is like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's just make, let's trade for Chris Paul and we'll make a run next year. And they need to open up cap space because Oklahoma city doesn't want Kelly Oubre on their books for whatever, but I guess in that scenario that you they would probably just take Oubre. But like that's the type of thing I'm thinking also, which is where there's a team that needs to unload a contract to take in another player via trade, and the team doesn't the team that's trading the player that is incoming doesn't want the the salary that you need to get rid of.
1: Right. If realistically, if you're the Suns, if you do make a trade for an which upgrade, Oklahoma City using- would probably want right, but yeah, here you would have to imagine. But then yeah. he's only under contract for, for a, a year. year. Yeah, so so so, um, so the Suns are, they're in out. my opinion, they're they're yeah they're out. Then you've got the Hornets. They've got nineteen point four million dollars. You
0: said Miami's out too, right?
1: Well, yeah, and well, I did, but we'll get there. Okay. Um, for the Hornets, they don't land free agents. So if they really wanted to do something in terms of uh, taking on a salary dump, they absolutely could. They have some bad contracts of their own. Notably, the Nicholas Batum contract is terrible, but no team is going to trade for that one. You've got the Cody Zeller deal, where again, I just—I would it, trade for Nicholas reason. Batum. If, you would? I if if I'm getting a thing.
0: <laughs> but, well, <laughs> but if you're <laughs> the Hornets, why are you giving up? I, no, yes, I'm. I
1: just, just wanted to <laughs> yes, th- yeah, throw that exactly. out there. But yeah, so again, there are no good big contracts that they have currently. <laughs> Can I ask you what would it take for you to take on Batum? Uh, Mm-hmm. a lot because that's basically your entire I and mean, well it depends if it's a salary dump then that's essentially your you know a four a three quarters of your salary payroll situation that you had for free agency um, but it, it would take a lot for me because I really don't know what the point would be and I don't know why the Hornets are dealing him yeah again it's like it's like saying why would the Knicks dump Julius Randle just for the sake of dumping him again. Julius <laughs> no, Randle is a know, much better yeah. player than Batum. It's just, you know, if, if, if you just have to hold on to him for one more year, you do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Hornets, in my opinion, are a, a very good, you know, competitor with the Knicks in a hypothetical salary dump. Then you've got Miami, as you said, even though they have $22 million in cap space, they are effectively out. They've got to resign Goran Dragic. They have to resign Jay Crowder. I'm sure that there is another player that they might be interested in. Um, they would want to keep those players' cap holds so that they could have the mid-level exception as opposed to the room exception, which is a difference of difference of five million dollars. Wait, with Charlotte? Did we say they were they're, they're okay with taking on salary? Where do we leave off with that? We did, yeah, because they don't get any free agents, but. They could be a sneaky contender I, for a Christian Wood type signing. I think that they're going to try to make a play for someone here. They could. I mean, again, the, the market is so, I guess, depressed. And yet the demand is pretty high that I could see them trying to sign someone of value. Yeah. And if they do, then, you know, that just takes one team out of the equation. Um, then there are the Pistons. Pistons have $30 million. Interesting thing about them, if they sign or if they re-sign Christian Wood to a number that's less than around 9 million dollars, then they can keep his cap hold at around 1.6 million, which means that they would still have an insane amount of cap space to take on salary dumps. But if he leaves, then they won't re-sign him. And if he is offered something that's more than the 9 to 10 million threshold, then he'll count that as a cap hold. So instead of the one point six, it would be whatever his salary would be.
0: Keep in mind, the, the, uh, Detroit is the Van Vliet team that everybody thinks is gonna offer him. How you know stack up all the bags? Really? Uh, I that's I feel I'm not, I'm not reporting. I feel like that's what I've
1: read. I don't know. I feel like if you're Detroit, you're probably looking to trade Derrick Rose to a team like I don't know the Lakers. You could do something where it's. Danny Green and the Lakers first round pick for Derrick Rose it's uh if you're Los Angeles you're taking on a you're you're dealing a player and getting one that's half the money that you would pay Danny Green and you're just giving up the 28th pick in the draft and if you're the Pistons I mean you're getting the first you know another first rounder and you you, I, I just don't see them as taking a step forward with Fred Van Vliet. I see them as more taking a step back.
0: I, that is, that makes sense as far as what I would want them to do if I was rooting for that team. Um, I just, I feel like I've read a lot
1: that they're going to be the Van Vliet team. But who knows? I mean, yep. maybe they're not. More to follow. The next, the Knicks, we all know their cap situation. Yeah. And then finally is the Hawks. Uh, who want to win. The Hawks want to win, right. So the question is more, who are they going to sign? Um, there's some rumors about Gordon Hayward. Or trade for. Or, or trade, trade for? Their there's space. rumors yes. That they might want to trade the sixth overall pick for some player of value. Um, but there really isn't that much out there. And even if there is, they could acquire someone and still have a lot of money left over. So now that we've talked about those teams... John, we should probably launch into the teams that may have too much salary, where they are close to the luxury tax, or they're in the luxury tax, or it makes sense that they would want to shed some salary.
0: So uh, I believe that Philadelphia is at the top of the list. Philadelphia and Golden State are the two top teams. And I will note, just in case nobody's seeing this, I just, just want to. This is a public service, right? We try to help people on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Scoopy reported, um, that, uh, the, (laughs) the Warriors and the Sixers are in, have had discussions about sending Al Harford and Ben Simmons, um, to, uh, uh, Golden State for Andrew Wiggins and, um, the second pick in the draft. Um Golden, there would have to be some other filler involved uh but this you could actually do this trade before the end of this league year because Ben Simmons is still only on the books for 8 million dollars um because his his extension isn't kicking in until whenever they decide to start the next league year. Um so financially the trade could work. Um to me it's it's I I let me just say this. I I I heard the same rumor. Um and I think it could maybe be credible, but it's I, I, it's it's too much of a win for Golden State. And I just yeah, I don't I don't. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I just want to throw that out there. Um, but maybe the larger point is that Daryl Morey's already, you know,
1: he's already getting busy. I, I think he's got his paws all over that he's, Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes. He hasn't I, even officially signed. So <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> he doesn't need to, that's a good one. And uh, boy, would that make me look like an asshole? Cause I wrote in my, I think on Wednesday or Thursday, like more, he's not going to trade Simmons or nB Well, eh, maybe he is. Who knows? Anyway. Um, so Philly and, and Golden State are way
1: out ahead. They, they are come- in terms of salary that they would offload, um, for Golden State. It's really from the Knicks perspective, um, it's probably just Kevon Looney. He's got two years and ten million dollars left. The second year is a player option. Have to imagine that he would opt in because he did have injuries. Yeah. They could continue. Um, you know what that means. You would probably just play him off the bench because you'd have Mitchell Robinson starting ahead. What the Warriors would give up in value, I don't really know. Um, maybe it's swapping rights with the Wolves' 2021 pick, but that seems. Um, Challenging. I don't think they'd do that. I doubt they would either. And if the pick doesn't convey, then, um, you know, how do they figure out swapping from there? Um, With the Sixers, a a trade I always kind of go back to is Mike Scott. He's got, uh, I think, $5 million. The Knicks owe their second round pick to Philadelphia next year, trading, you know, Reggie Bullock or just nothing really. No, Bullock, I think they could use Bullock. They need Uh, shooting. Bullock for Mike Scott
0: and our own pick next year. That's a really, I talk about a simple trade.
1: I agree. I'm just saying more from a salary dumping instead of cutting. But yes, if it's a salary cut, then that makes a lot of sense. I would love to see that. Uh, I think it would be great for both parties. But other than those two players, I mean, Josh Richardson is going to be traded. You'd have to imagine for a player that can give them more value than just a straight salary dump. um, That's, Really, oh, yeah, no, they're not because gonna dump.
0: Yeah, that's that's that. So then we don't to talk. Listen, if you want to think about Harford trades, I Al Horford trades, I wrote about it on I think Thursday. Um we don't need to get into that. Um Brooklyn is the trade I I hopped on with JB and Schwinn this morning on the um Pod Strickland. We talked about the Torian Prince. It makes I know I know what you wrote about it, and what you wrote makes sense. I think. I would be, I mean, it makes so much sense though, Tori and Prince to the Knicks for something.
1: It does. But then again, I mean, you could say the same thing about almost any of the teams that are out there and that have money to spend, or even maybe don't. If there's an owner that's comfortable with paying a luxury tax or paying more in salary in exchange for a better asset, and they can trade Tori and Prince on draft night, which For just for clarification, uh, he's still signed to his rookie contract. And then once the new year starts, then his new deal kicks in. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah. So
1: you don't have to take him on as a salary dump. You could just effectively take him on for, you know, a similar caliber player. So
0: he could be traded on draft night for what he's making like one point something million dollars. It's small.
1: Yeah. Oh, so as a result, it's great for any other team that's, that's interesting. That's yeah. That's
0: interesting. I forgot that. That is interesting. That opens up the market for him a little bit more. i for that's a, that's an interesting little caveat. Good job. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we'll see what happens there. I, I think it, I think the Nick, I, if I'm the Knicks, I would, if I could guess like, whatever whatever i could get if i i mean even like i would if it's brooklyn's pick next year i i think i'd just probably i'd be, i'd do that you know i know it's not going to be a good pick but
1: yeah that see that's the thing and it comes down to i guess the uh, the ideology of it all right which is if you knew that brooklyn didn't have a good pick would you still expend that type of salary cap and there are people who would say well yeah i mean what else are you going to spend the money on and there are others who would say no because Again, if that pick doesn't hit, then you're taking on 2 years of financial commitments when you could add better talent to the team. So, that's why again, Torian Prince is It's not a killer number though. It's right, 12
0: me, and what is it's it, not, yeah. it It
1: absolutely isn't. That's why it um I list as one of the contracts where I would be okay with it, I just don't necessarily see it happening with the Knicks. They might it might not.
0: Um they might not. All right. Um next up is Milwaukee, right? Um mm-hmm. who
1: I I Well they're also there also are also the Celtics, which we could just say quickly, other than Ennis Cantor, and the joy I would have in seeing the Knicks <laughs> take on Ennis Cantor for say the 30th pick and then just cutting his ass, the first opportunity they could would be Oh glory. god. But I you know, some team is probably going to have to take on Ennis Cantor. How much he costs or um where he goes is a different story. But the Celtics are just it, it, but this also depends on Gordon Hayward. If he opts in, I could see the Celtics dealing Ennis Cantor. If he opts out and signs elsewhere, does what Al Horford did, then they might be less inclined to do something like that. Because why give up you – know, why should Trader Danny give up his precious assets in order to get rid of Ennis Cantor? Um, but yes. I that's, swear that's if true. I have to
0: see Ennis Cantor play another minute uh, for the Knicks, I will I will shoot someone. Um, okay, Milwaukee <laughs> – God. Milwaukee has some bad money. Um, They have, well, DJ
1: Wilson isn't bad money. Their contracts are expiring except for Bledsoe. Bledsoe is really the only bad one, in my opinion. So Bledsoe is, can I just
0: say, Bledsoe is interesting to me because let's talk about the Bucks for a second, right? Um, They need to make an upgrade. We know this. They're very limited in terms of what they could do. Because they have Giannis, they have Chris Middleton. Those guys are not going anywhere. Um, I don't think they want to give up George Hill because George Hill was playing; he was like their third best player during crunch time minutes in the playoffs. I think they want to. I think they want to keep him. Um, put D. J. Wilson aside; he's only making four point five next year. Maybe I don't know. Um, Brooke Lopez, I, I mean, they kind of built their whole offense around his, sh- not built their whole offense around it. His shooting is very important to what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was a great defender this year. I mean, he was, yeah, he was a really good defender. He, 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 Brooke Lopez, is he worth the contract they gave him four years? Um, 50, what is it? 52, 53, whatever. It's a lot of money. Um, is he worth that contract? No, probably not. But I, I just, I would, I think he's worth so much more to them than he would be to anyone else that for what another team would ask for to take him on, I think would just the Milwaukee would be like, yeah, forget about it. I j- I don't see them trading Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe. Um, Oh man. Okay. Three more years at what's this. Oh God. Those are big numbers. They're really large. They're not
1: small numbers. He's also older than 30 now. Or he's on the wrong side of 30. He's turning is this, 31. Is this 55 million? 56. 56 it's bad i think that the last year might be partially guaranteed I'll, I'll
0: look it up right now but what are your what are your thoughts on
1: mr blood um not overly positive i guess if you're the knicks you'd probably just want to take him on in order to see if he can attain positive value but if he doesn't then you're stuck with steel for at least two years if not money on the third year Again, I think you could probably find a better playmaker. I think he does shrink your floor or your, your just right. the spacing in terms of what you have. I don't know how he necessarily helps so, the players on the court because of that. And again, there's a reason why Milwaukee is looking to move him if they do. And the, wait a
0: minute, this is interesting. He's only guaranteed. He has the Julius Randle guarantee, except uh, not in 21, 22. He has it in 22, 23. It's three point nine million dollars. That's man. Okay, I'm. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but whatever. It's 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 podcasting. I would if they needed if they needed to unload Bledsoe on somebody and the the team trading them whoever whatever player is is they they hope are, is going to appease Giannis into staying there and
1: Eric so Eric Bledsoe is really not easy to move because who else. Who's going to want him? No one. That's the thing. <laughs> because for a reason. He's not a highly coveted player. Yeah, I mean, he's- but
0: he's making, he's making 16.8 and 18.1, which like over the next two years, which I don't know that I really care about. I, I certainly don't care about the money he's making this year. And yeah, $18 million in 21-22 is a lot if you need the money. And as we've we've argued about this on this show, I don't know that we've ever come to
1: an agreement. I don't think they're going to need the money in 21-22. No uh, probably not again. And I'm fine taking on a contract that, you know, for the right price that, um, goes into 21, 22. But again, it's just, it's the quality of the player that you're having, because it's great to have the assets. It's great to add to the quantity, but how is the quality of the core that you've got? I mean, we're talking about how RJ Barrett needs to improve his shooting. Um, Mitchell Robinson does not shoot from the outside. He's, very much a rim runner. There's a conversation of if the Knicks went in the direction of Isaac Okoro. And now if you're throwing Bledsoe into the Knicks, I mean, who's shooting? How are 30, you? Over the, over the last two years,
0: two, uh, 2018-19, 33% from downtown. Uh, last year on minimal volume, by the way, uh, only 3.5 attempts a game, 34.4% from downtown. Let's also um, talk
1: about the last time he was in a losing environment. He tweeted out he didn't want to be there. It didn't go. his, And yet he's. He's really good everywhere else. He's effective field goal percentage
0: is like last two years, 548, 528. Well, 520 is not great, but it's not if I mean for a little guard, it's 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 solid. I mean, oh, man. I wouldn't let me put it this way. I'm not giving up something for the right to pay Eric Bledsoe the rest of his contract. But. I'm not sure I'm asking for a ton to take it on.
1: (sighs) Well, for the sake of the conversation, because we're talking about salary dumping versus cutting to me as a salary dump, it doesn't really make much sense. And if you're Milwaukee, again, I I agree. It's going to be hard to maybe find a home for Bledsoe. But if you're the Bucks, the ideal scenario is you're trading his salary as salary filler for a bigger deal. And you can't really yes. do that if you just dump his contract. Yeah,
0: but that's a but in a three-way. It's this is um, this would obviously be some kind of a three-way trade where he the Knicks are taking him on, and some team is 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 sending a player into into that space.
1: Right. I mean, again, I, I guess one possibility would be we know that the Bucks apparently have interest in a player like Bogdan Bogdanovich. Maybe to go back to the Kings if they agreed to a sign and trade that was centered around Bogdanovich – and Bledsoe, and Milwaukee's oh, first round pick this year, and maybe some sort of future asset, that would make a little bit more sense. How Bledsoe would work with Deer and Fox, that's-, that's yeah, the but They're, they're not going to
0: want Bledsoe in Sacramento. They have no interest in Bledsoe in Sacramento.
1: Right. Again, I, I agree that it's very confounding as to where Bledsoe would go, because then of the teams also that we listed, I mean, unless he's playing in Detroit, then he's not going to go to Charlotte because they've got enough point guards. He's not going to go to Atlanta because their best player doesn't want to play off ball and I can't say I blame him. Uh, and sure, I mean, Bledsoe did have more time playing off ball here than he has before, uh, here being Milwaukee, but Eric Bledsoe's not a bad player though. By so- the way, we, we, we
0: should note that uh, Milwaukee can't trade their first round pick next year because they've already traded away their 2022 first round pick. Um, so that's a non-starter. However, oh man, I I got to tell you, if I could get a future Milwaukee first, like 2024 Milwaukee first rounder. Oh, I would I would drive. I would drive to the airport to pick up Mr. Bledsoe.
1: Well, you know that they would protect that because they know yeah, but you can only speak-
0: I, if it was one of those deals that where it's like, if it's not converted by this time, it turns into two second rounders. I wouldn't do that. But if it was going to convey at some point, I would Yeah, it'd be huge. I would make I would make that trade in a, in, in a heartbeat. Okay, we've we, we talked about our blood so for long enough, we, and we've been talking for an hour. Um, we should probably bring this, uh, wrap this up. Well, I think we've talked about all the tax teams, right? We or have. Or the potential there,
1: tax teams? There are a few more teams that we should just talk about because I think they are relevant to the conversation. Sure. And they actually go more against my argument. Um, so I guess we could kind of very quickly cross off a few name, other teams. Name that, the teams. Well, just for starters, the Rockets are out. Other yeah. than Eric Gordon and the Knicks should want nothing about Eric no. Gordon and his contract might be one of the top five worst in the NBA. I, if, I think there is an argument that it
0: might be. the Well, to, I put Tobias Harris in a different category because I don't even know how you talk about that. He's making one hundred and fifty million dollars. I can't even say the straight face. Tobias Harris is making one hundred fifty million dollars in the next four years. That is it's insane. Bad. Yeah. No, um, no. Anyway, so it's a bad contract. Next after him. What's what's next?
1: Well, you got uh, what for Houston or in general? Oh, do, does Houston have anything else that you would? Not really. Yeah, no. I mean, they're not going to dump Russell Westbrook, no. and they're not going to dump James Harden, obviously. So, um, so Houston's out. Other than that, then you've got Indiana. Ah. They'll probably trade a big. At least you have to imagine the mall the mall empire
0: them. of uh, Mr. Uh, what's the owner's name? Herb Simon. Herb Cole. Yes. Herb Simon. Herb, Herb Simon. Herb, yeah.
1: So again, I don't really know who they're necessarily sending out. I think that they could probably trade. Miles Turner for something of value, but that would mean money coming back in. There's the Jeremy
0: Lamb contract, which I think Vork and John Hollinger pitched in a few weeks or a month or whatever. It's all yes. it's all running together. Is like, but the, they they pitched it. I think is the Knicks would give up a small asset to take on to get Jeremy Lamb. With the thinking that it would be like an investment in the future, because once he recovers from his, I forget, if I think it was an ACL, um, he'll be like a good player at that salary. He's making 10.5 over the next two years.
1: And I wrote about him in an article, you know, maybe a month or so back, and I probably was too generous in terms of what the return was. Um, but it might very easily cost the Knicks an asset. And that's not the name of the game um, here. It's yeah, I don't.
0: That's he's not. the the guy I'm giving up an asset for. Um,
1: So then that brings us to uh, the Magic. And they're a really fascinating situation because um, they've got a ton of salary on the books. I mean, a god-awful amount. And their best player, Jonathan Isaac, has gone down with a season-ending injury. Yeah, he's not going to play basketball next year, unfortunately. He's a good player. Exactly. So if Evan Fournier opts in, then that certainly isn't great. For Orlando, you would have to imagine they look to trade him. But that's still a lot more salary that is on their books. And then there's Al Aminu, where um, we've talked about him before. Again, if if the Knicks took on Aminu and a salary dump, I really wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't love it from an on-the-court perspective because of the fact that, yes, his defense is much better. But I'm still a little concerned about... His injury history, just, I mean, last year was one thing with his knee and maybe it doesn't stretch out that far. But again, like his shooting was atrocious and that's probably putting it lightly. It was among the worst that he's, he's maybe not an NBA player anymore. Right. Defensively, he can stick it. He can stick around. But at what cost is that to your offense? And how are you scheming with him involved? I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just throwing it out there. I don't...
0: Dennis Smith Jr. has been brought up in connection with this team before. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a thing that has happened. Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and the... And the and the eighth pick to Orlando for the 15th pick, Mr. Aminu, and uh, the Magic's first round pick next year. And that trade... Would I would imagine come down to the protections, which, uh, you know, I don't know what to make the protections,
1: but that's I guess that's the trade. The bigger question for me is if you're the Magic, why are you trading for Dennis Smith Jr. and to move up to eight when you could potentially just individually try to trade up for Kyrie Lewis Jr. Because. You maybe have him for four years on a cheap contract. Maybe where they see. The maybe someone else
0: drops. Maybe someone else. Maybe they. Maybe they want to reshape their team. Maybe they have a vooch deal on the table with someone, and they and they want a congo. Like maybe I don't know. Maybe someone falls to eight that they think is like really good. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe look. It's probably it's far fetched. I agree with you
1: because without without Isaac this year, and they're still going to be mediocre. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say still because they've made the playoffs despite not being very good but they're the definition of mediocre. Right. They're just going to be a a high enough floor where they're not going to be bad enough and they're going to play in a competitive division but they're not going to get very far. So not a great time to be an Orlando Magic fan. Probably <laughs> going to look I mean you could Sorry. I, Jake. I watched the uh, there was like a the Dwight documentary it was um Seth Rosenthal came out with Kind of talking about the Orlando Magic, okay. In terms of how uh, they went from a contender and and making the NBA Finals to just everything falling off the face of the earth, um, it's really rough for Orlando, and I do feel bad. And for they them, won that,
0: And they won the Dwight
1: trade. That's I the know, funniest part. Yeah. Oh man! So like, Orlando is one of the more fascinating teams because of their salary situation and the Knicks involvement. They're going to do again, something. I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to do something. Yeah. It just probably won't involve the Knicks, but probably mostly, not. Um. The biggest enigma to me is probably the San Antonio Spurs. So the Spurs are fascinating because they are basically – I feel like you could kind of frame them as a former Knicks team where there was like some very promising or like okay promising uh, young talent. And then just a lot of older veterans who are on the decline. And, you know, if you're the Spurs, I know that and you could probably talk a a little bit about this more um, in terms of DeMar DeRozan. But I don't see any team really being that interested in LaMarcus Aldridge. And if they are, they're going to have to send something back.
0: I think DeRozan's the guy. I think think teams will, will want DeRozan. And if teams want DeRozan, then... That signals that the Spurs are ready to finally rebuild, right?
1: Now, if they're rebuilding, though, what are they doing about other salary? Because I was looking at what you said in terms of DeRozan, the Nets, and it was really fascinating to me because Karis LeVert and uh, Torian Prince for their uh, – not this year, but you know when the new league year starts, their contracts combined are almost exactly the same as DeMar DeRozan's salary next year. So if you're the Nets and you are trading, say, their first round pick this year or next year, and Karis LeVert and Terrence Prince for DeMar DeRozan, that's I – mean, to me, that feels like a pretty balanced trade. And maybe Nets fans would disagree because I know that there are a lot of Nets fans who love Karis LeVert.
0: Yeah, to me, that feels selling low, very low.
1: Uh, well – but he, again, and this is my—I just don't understand how a player who f- has been in the league for four years and has seen his efficiency drop every single year and started out with around a league average efficiency—I don't see how he is adding things to his repertoire. Well, look, I, I understand that he is—we don't a need to talk about this. Players-
0: if Durant and if Durant and Kyrie say they want the Rose, and guess what? Of course, okay, bye, Kyrie. Yeah.
1: But I guess the other thing is that because uh, I was talking with a Nets fr- uh, fan who's a friend of mine and he was saying like, well, Karis LeVert has top 25 potential. And I was like, well, what the fuck does that even mean? Um, and then he was saying, like, well, he's been held back by injuries. And I was thinking, well, like, do you think that the fact that he has had the injuries would also hold back his potential and why he will not reach said potential? Uh, again, I understand that fans love him. I think that if you want to keep Spencer Dinwiddie, that – you probably would want to trade Karis Levert in this situation. I'm not entirely sure that how he would fit with Durant and Irving, but we'll see. Again, I just, um, even if we say that, all right, let's forget about the Nets for a second. Let's say that DeRozan is dealt, we're talking about Aldridge. Um, you brought up Patty Mills in your article. $13.5 million. I I think that, you know, if they want to get rid of that salary, I I would take it on for happily. Yes, I think that's definitely possible. Yeah. Um, I would say the other big question with Spurs is Rudy Gay. And he's in the last year of his contract <laughs> yeah. as well. He's expiring. And I have no interest in the Knicks taking on Rudy Gay. Um, but I think that a really fascinating team for him would actually be the Hawks. Because I could see them, that. that then having sense. him off the bench yeah. would be good for them because he's been a bench player. They, I, like, you know, I, I like that. I don't think that they would have to uh, pay very much because I think that Rudy Gay would actually, you know, be like a salary dump, but the Hawks actually give up maybe uh, a second round pick. Or two. Yeah,
0: no, it would be like the type of trade that I wrote about where you're giving up a little thing for somebody that should probably deserve a better thing if they were making less money. The interesting thing for me with the Spurs is Derek White. And if if he, you know, I don't know if if they would ever put him on the market, but he's. He's a year away from restricted free agency. Um, I wonder what it would take, what else it would take to, if you, if the Spurs were in love with someone and wanted to move up, they're at 11. If they wanted to move up from 11 to eight, um, right They're at 11. Yeah, they're at 11. If they want to move up from 11 to eight, they're not going to, they're not going to give up Derek white for the right to move up to from 11 to eight, but,
1: or, or without getting something else back in the deal. Um so a big reason why I don't see them moving young players is because not this offseason, obviously, but the next one, the Spurs will have the most cap space in the NBA. We're talking about, I think, around $80 million in cap space. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a staggering amount. So they have the power. Of course, that will go down because they also, this offseason, have to deal with uh, Jakob Purtle. Although I don't see him fetching a huge deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's restricted. If you're a team like Detroit and you lose Christian Wood, you know, it doesn't hurt you to send out an offer sheet for Jakob Pertl. Well,
0: yeah, but again, this is all tied together because if they, again, if they are a Van Vliet team and if they put out an offer sheet of a certain amount of money and it it ties up their cap space because it's it's all going to be very rushed. um, Yeah, just it's, yeah, the Spurs are a fascinating team because they have so little money on their books um, past, next, past next season.
1: So I'd say that the Spurs are, Spurs and the Magic are probably the two teams where my whole idea of why a salary dump market isn't going to exist could potentially blow up in my face. Well, but, look. But we'll see, you know? I mean, if that's – I never claimed a bad 1,000 anyway, so if that happens, so be it.
0: Your overall point of the piece is well taken. My only – Again, the only thing I wanted to say is in response is that there may still be opportunities to utilize your cap space in a way in the trade market in a in a way where you are essentially helping other teams out yes. because of finances. You know that's 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 really all it is. But yeah, we we'll, um we'll see what they do. The other thing that I guess we want I, I don't know what we need to say about it, but um, I reported at the end of the week that the Knicks were um gonna be in the market to try to acquire or buy another second round pick. Um I don't really know anything other than that. I know they're they're doing a lot of homework right, right now on undrafted guys. I know they've you know they've they've done a ton of homework on guys that they expected to get expect to get drafted. Um, you know, they're ready. Um what did you have any thoughts on this that you wanted to share?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean it's um it's a great thing to hear because if you're buying a pick you're able to send out up to $5.6 million. And, you know, it doesn't count towards the cap. So we've seen James Dolan spend freely in terms of building out Leon Rose's front office. So knowing that there might be a purchase of a second round pick would be fantastic. I think it also provides you some cover in the event that, you know, if you're the Knicks and you trade 27 and 38 to move up and you're also. That's, Given the opportunity yeah, to buy I'm a second-round pick, then that's perfect. Um, you know, I mean, for example, the Sixers have thirty-four and thirty-six. That's, they can—that's the team that I was looking at. They can accept up to three point eight million dollars in cash um, because they've already accepted some cash as is. So that would be perfect. Um, the Knicks did a deal last year with the Kings. They traded fifty-five in cash for forty-seven and got Ignas Brazdeikis. They could do something similar where uh, 38 the Kings have the 38th for... or the 43rd pick. They could pay cash there. Yeah. Um, the Bulls in the past have given out second round picks like candy. We'll see if that's the same or different under um, this new yeah. office. Um, but you know, it's not like uh, well, Jerry the Bulls. Ryan's so the Bulls have 44. They've yes, exactly. So which the is, which is like any right. Amount. It's like right where this
0: draft probably is gonna fall off mm-hmm. right around there. So
1: that's an interest that's an interesting spot. I've also got this is not so much purchasing, um, but it's a little bit more creative. So bear with me. Oh, I, I, I
0: love these. I love when you preface it with Fine. with the Yeah.
1: Okay, go. Uh, let's get nuts. All right. So if Mario Hazonia opts into his player, you know, his his player option, which he absolutely should, because where else is he really going to get that opportunity? If I'm the Knicks and has already done it, I say to Portland, hey, how about this? You give us 46 and Hizonia, and we will trade you Wayne Ellington. And here's why. If you're Portland, you're already on the hook for $1.8 million. If you are trying to save money in any capacity, because we don't really know where Portland's spending habits are um, with the pandemic, then you could trade Wayne Ellington that night for a million dollars. They could cut him and save $800,000. And all they had to do was give up the 46th pick. Or if they actually have interest in Wayne Ellington and say, you know, he's not worth $8 million, but we're capped out. We're willing to spend. We could keep him on the salary books. Then you could potentially take on Wayne Ellington for $8 million. All you're doing is spending more money. And what you gave up was Mario Hazonia's, you know, One point eight million dead loss, which now is, you know, a difference of six point two million and the forty six his zonia would be traded for his guarantee amount. He's guaranteed one point eight million dollars on his next contract. So that's how they're saving eight hundred thousand dollars. If they're cutting Wayne Ellington right away. If money is a concern. Whereas if they're just looking at an upgrade and feel that Wayne Ellington, even being six point two million dollars more makes sense for them, then all they're doing is giving up the forty-six pick. I think what is, it makes more sense if they wanted to uh, cut salary than to add Wayne Ellington.
0: Yeah, no, it makes – but from a salary-cutting perspective, that's really interesting. I just um, – I forget. What are the salary-matching rules for players who make under $5 million?
1: It's, it would work – if there are three different brackets for – Yeah,
0: and, and that, they're the both in the I lowest because like, it's a, such a small – um, there it is. So zero to 6.5, it's 175% of the outgoing salary plus a hundred thousand dollars. So that's the million, 175% of a million is 1.75 plus a hundred. Wow. It just fits you motherfucker. <laughs> you crazy fuck. Yeah. You are a madman.
1: I I love it. I love the terror. I love the horror. I mean, it's Halloween Jesus weekend. Jesus so. Christ.
0: I, I You know, if someone, in it, it, it all seriousness, if someone, some schmuck with the Knicks, get, I guarantee they would pay someone to do this, that listens to these pods and report back if I say anything, you know, crazy. You should be trying to hire Jeremy Cohen for your front office that you just found that batshit crazy deal. Wow. <laughs>
1: um, so okay. I'd say that. And then the last one, uh, Warriors, if they're having luxury tax issues, they've got 48 and 51 you could trade cash for either of those. And then you could potentially
0: and 50, use, 40 you could use 38,
1: 48 to try oh, to move shit. up. Oh shit, they have 48
0: bit. and 51.
1: They do. They would have had 31. But yeah, mad. but they, yeah. So um, it's a little bit more complex to do, say like 38 and 48 to move up for 34. You could potentially do cash for 48. And then you could say 38 and 48 and some more cash for 34 for the Sixers, because we know that they're going to want money. Um, or at least we would imagine they'd like some. So again, these are all just random trades that I thought could be fun. I'd love the fact that they're at least interested in, in second round picks. Um, so those are my recommendations. We'll see them not come to life, but, uh, you blew, you really
0: did blow my mind with the, uh, (laughs) I can't even express in words. Uh, I know the sal the, the Warriors have all these little crappy little salaries, too. They do. Although I don't know how they have Michael Mulder. I wonder if we get Dana Scully if we trade for Michael Mulder. <laughs> 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 that's, that's team option. So it's probably not the best guy. Juan Toscano Anderson. I don't know who Juan Toscano Anderson is, but he's making 1.5. Um, there's a candidate for, you know. Something, save a little cash. Oh, this is, these are, this is all, so you can, so in theory, you could trade like, so they have uh, Kai Bowman as well. Again, I don't, I don't know if the Warriors think Kai Bowman is any good, but you could trade like Juan Toscano Anderson and Kai Bowman could be traded for Wayne Ellington and, you know, Taj Gibson, and that saves the Warriors a million bucks.
1: Yeah. The only problem you run into is um, roster spots, but if you're able to waive them, then that problem isn't really as severe, but exactly. That's the advantage of the non-guaranteed salary and that all the, that the Knicks have.
0: Which is why they traded for Theo Pinson. Exactly.
1: But they can't trade Theo Pinson on draft night. So it's, why can't uh, they trade him on draft night again? Because of the team option. It's the same oh, reason why they can't yeah,
0: trade Bobby right. Portis on yes, draft Yes, night. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Bobby. All right. Um. Wow. <sighs> We really have outdone ourselves this time, um, but that's, that's my fault for talking about my, my newsletter in the beginning of the show. Um, we gave our spiel about voting. Anything else we got to say before we get
1: out of here? Um, I guess the one thing is that I'm really curious about the Jazz because they do have a new owner, but having a new owner doesn't necessarily mean a willingness to go into the luxury tax. Well, he's, especially. he's worth a lot of money. He is, although... I looked more into his Qualtrics deal and oh, his brother got a significant did. Of course you, part. you did. <laughs> oh, I was curious. Um, of okay, the $8 billion, he, I think, got three, which is nothing to scoff at, obviously. But um, I don't know how it works. I'm, I'd love to try to figure out a way how. But he didn't buy the entire Jazz. He's, he owns a majority stake. So if the Jazz go into the luxury tax, which, uh, mind you, the Miller family, who – fully owned them beforehand uh-huh. uh, they went into the luxury tax once in the last 10 years Yeah, they're, they're not they're a family yeah it's not right so if you are the jazz and you go into the luxury tax is the amount that's paid prorated it does the majority take on the full salary how does it work i'd be very curious to learn i don't know if it's really out there but again if if that's the case then um Having a willingness to spend is different than having money. And um, I mean, shout out to Mets fans. I'm happy for you. It's Steve Cohen. He's automatically the richest owner in MLB. Um, but that's convenient for them because of the fact that there's no salary cap and he's already invested, so it's fine. Um, but billionaires and millionaires and I guess people in general who have money is he liquid. Also like to that's, keep it. that's the question. Um, that is a good question. I think that um Mets fans could provide more insight. I'm sure the first person who's going to be listening to this is diehard Mets fan, Andrew Claudio, who I'm sure will have <laughs> some sort of answer in his head um, and either can't interject or won't, or maybe he will. Maybe Andrew will speak up in this pod and, and interject for me. If he does, thank you, Andrew. If he doesn't, so be it. Um, so, you know, again, with the jazz, I don't know if that's the direction that they want to go in right now, or if that's the direction Ryan Smith wants to go in right now.
0: I got one. I got one for Utah. Um, If they want Reggie Bullock, they could have him otherwise trade us. Utah has swap rights with the Cavs for their 2024 second round pick. I would, I again, walk to the airport to pick up Ed Davis. um, If I'm getting those, those Cleveland swap rights in 2024.
1: Yeah. And um, I'll say that, I guess my last note will be this. Uh, For those of you who did read my article, there were two players missing. Uh, One was, Gordon Hayward, because again, I don't see oh, him come on. That's, in any salary dumping situation. So I didn't feel like enjoying in, in that even mentioning him. But the second was Mike Conley Jr., and the reason for that is because I've been holding on to a Mike Conley Jr. article featuring Ed Davis for a while now, and of course the Jazz had to go and get a new owner, and it just like made me rehaul every- oh. everything. So um, this is, I guess, the lesson in doing work before you should. Don't, don't uh, save don't, it. Yeah, don't try to do a good job on things because it's just going to blow up in your face. So we will see about that. I'm still going to release the article, but um, waiting for the, fa- the financials. But again, Conley to me would be a salary cutting option, not a salary dumping option. But um, we'll get into that at a later date. I think we've talked enough today.
0: I think Mike Conley here serves as a stand in for like your virginity don't save it (laughs) don't save it just it away
1: on that note anything you'd like to plug john
0: um well let's see i already plugged uh i already plugged the newsletter thing um you could sign up by the way all week and get that get that discount um uh no no i got um uh i don't usually plug this pod on this pod, but uh, you're going to want to check out the next episode. I think it's probably going to be the next episode this week. Cause I haven't, I haven't gone out and booked anyone else because I've been a little busy. Um, but there's a, there's a pretty good guest that's coming on um, who I think everybody's going to want to hear. So I'll just, uh, I'll say that. And um Everybody, uh, Jeremy, thank you as always. You you sit here and you talk to me for an hour and a half on a goddamn Sunday night, and I love you for it. Uh, Thank you. And uh, thank you, everybody out there, for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Giddy up.